BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Closing arguments were given today in the trial of 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. The decision is now in the hands of the jury. So did the prosecution make the case for cold-blooded murder, or was this a clear case of self-defense? I'll give you my thoughts in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Kyle Rittenhouse never should have been charged, folks. Let's just start with that. This shouldn't have even been a trial, and it never should have risen to the possibility of him facing life in prison for the equivalent of a murder one charge. This was outrageous all along. It was a politicized process, a politicized decision-making apparent from the prosecution's side of things. They overcharged him. They included charges that there was no real reason to put in there other than just to try to create more smoke and noise around this issue. For example, uh, earlier today, the judge in this case dismissed the weapons, weapons charge in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial before closing arguments were even made here. It's rather straightforward. Kyle Rittenhouse had a semi-automatic rifle. Under Wisconsin law, he was allowed to have that semi-automatic rifle. He did not have a short barrel rifle which is a matter of fact because that's really literally about the length of the barrel on the rifle. It's very straightforward. But did they even measure this before they brought the charge? No, he had a standard AR-15. Yet here you go, PolitiFact back in 2020 on August 28th said, at 17 years of age, Kyle Rittenhouse was perfectly legal to obtain or possess rather that rifle without parental supervision. That's false. And actually PolitiFact, was wrong, as it tends to be over and over again on politicized questions, because PolitiFact exists to launder the lies of the Democrat apparatus under the veneer of it being a fact-checking organization when it's really a propaganda organ for the left. Um, But beyond that, beyond the, the basic issues of fact and law in this case, all of which favor the Rittenhouse side. I mean, when you look at what we know, what we can see in the videos, what played out based on eyewitness testimony, including the eyewitnesses of the prosecution who had to admit that, yeah, they were attacking Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, they threatened to kill him. Yeah, they had either uh, assaulted him or were in the process of pointing weapons at him. But the prosecution here is trying to make a case that appeals to CNN viewers and New York Times subscribers, you know, psycho libs who hate this kid, Rittenhouse, because of who he is, not because of what he did. And so the prosecutor went with things like this. He said today, and you can actually watch him, you don't have to take my word for it, 
You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. Convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. That's just not true. No legal expert in self-defense, no actual self-defense expert also would tell you that that makes any sense at all. If you show up or if you're in a situation where you're concealed or open carrying a firearm and someone assaults you and you are in reasonable fear of your life and you use that weapon, that's the person assaulting you's fault and you are legally and morally, ethically in the clear. So why would the prosecutor make such a ridiculous claim? Well, because they're trying everything they can to make it seem like this was a legitimate prosecution in the first place when it clearly was not. And then you have also something that's very troubling, and that is you're seeing the mentality of the Democrat left on display here, such that they have operated all along with Kenosha in the background here, with the riots that occurred, as though Democrats should maintain a special right to riot. That no individual, no citizen armed or unarmed can stand in the way of this and be willing to use force to defend himself and others and property. Not allowed, they say. Here's the prosecutor, Binger, saying that Rosenbaum, all he did was, you know, the usual riot stuff, man. No big deal, except it was a big deal. He said stuff that he never should have said. He did things he never should have done. So why is the prosecutor, uh, well, here he is being scummy. So what does he do that night? Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bearcats and they lit it on fire. Oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N-word. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad person, by the way. I mean, just let's be clear about this. He's not a good guy at all as a criminal. And he was acting, uh, he, was, he was committing acts of arson and riot and creating public disorder. And it wasn't okay at all, not a little bit. And they have to wonder how many serious felony prosecutions will they bring in Kenosha of the people that were doing those things? No, the only person that seems the prosecutors really want to go after is the law-abiding individual who defended himself against the mob. This is the precedent that the Democrats are setting here. And uh, it's remarkable to watch this prosecutor, Binger, described that mob in Kenosha that was burning the city that night as a crowd full of heroes. Watch this. When they're told that person running up the street just shot someone, we don't have time in the moment to go back and take a look at the body and replay the video and make a decision before going after the person with the gun. You know, we've had several police officers testify that in an active shooter situation, their first instinct, their first training is to go in and stop the threat. They don't sit there and wonder, well, maybe it was self-defense. I don't know. I'm going to, you know, let, wait and see. And every day we read about heroes that stop active shooters. That's what was going on here. 
And that crowd was right. And that crowd was full of heroes. The mob was full of heroes. The mob of criminals burning down the city and attacking Kyle Rittenhouse, chasing him, assaulting him, pulling guns on him. Heroes, according to the prosecutor that has been bringing this case. What an appalling disgrace this individual is. But the narrative behind this, too, the left should be allowed to riot. Rioting is righteous, as long as you do it under the BLM banner. Really, it's not the America I want to live in. It's not the America that a lot of people watching this want to live in. It's certainly not the one that Kyle Rittenhouse wants to, either. So what are they doing now, of course, because the prosecution's case has been so weak? Just to hedge their bets, they attacked the judge a lot in the media recently. Watch. I don't see how anybody can say that this judge is not biased and is not leaning in a certain direction. I think that the behavior of the judge in totality is the problem. This judge is an absolute joke. He's been a joke from the very beginning. Clearly, this guy has biases that are affecting the administration of this case. I completely agree from my observation that the judge is entirely biased. The judge is making it pretty much impossible for the jury to actually consider all the facts and come up with a, um, a verdict where justice will be served. You've tweeted and talked about the fact that the judge is racist and you think that impacts how he is managing this trial. God I mean, bless the USA ringtone, which is no, the Trump rally yeah. theme song. It appears that this judge is auditioning for the cameras and looking for his next gig on Fox News. He sounds like he's watched too much Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Attack the judge, of course, because that's, that's the problem here. Cowards and idiots. All right, coming up after the break, we'll have more on the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse with senior editor at Human Events, Jack Posobiec. I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is hot, and people want to get on the action. A lot of them for the first time. But where do you start? Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these tokens out there. How do you begin your crypto investing journey? That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. Look, you can get unparalleled military-grade security for your coins and the best customer service anywhere, especially getting you set up with this. Crypto markets hot. Could be the best time in a long time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. Go check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. And Jack Posobiec is with us when we come back. Closing statements have wrapped up in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse with the prosecution and defense having laid out their respective arguments. For the prosecution, their case against Rittenhouse seems to hinge on the idea that the mob of rioters who attacked the 18-year-old were attempting to subdue what they believed to be an active shooter. For the defense, it was a far more straightforward argument that Rittenhouse was defending himself against three men who were trying to harm him. Jack Posobiec, senior editor at Human Events, joins me to share his thoughts on the closing arguments and the trial overall. Jack, good to see you. Buck, always a pleasure. Boy, this trial has just been a complete roller coaster from start to finish over the past two weeks, and today's closing arguments were no disappointment. Tell us what were the what were the sort of summary versions of these closing arguments that we we saw today, Jack. Well, so it's it's actually kind of a mirror image of the opening arguments, right? So in the defense's statement, and just as you put, it's very simple. It's very fact-based, 
very evidence-based. There's tons of video of this because of the intrepid uh, citizen journalists and an independent journalist, the Daily Caller team, et cetera, that's out there. But then you also hear, you switch on the prosecution side and it becomes this political hand-waving, these you know grandiose statements of honor and uh, self-defense and rights and everything else. And it, it, you know, talking about equity and lots of these questions, even at one point, you know, you'd, you'd pick apart, you know, these emotional arguments that the prosecutor is making here, this guy, D.A. Binger. And he had said at one point, if you are carrying a gun, then you forfeit your right to self-defense. And I thought, boy, I, I've read the Second Amendment a number of times in my life, but I've never really come away with it with that particular reading of the Second Amendment to our Constitution as part of our Bill of Rights, of course, and gotten into the Federalist Papers as well. The other thing that he said that didn't make a lot of sense to me for his position was he said, well, you know, Kyle, when he was running down that street, well, he would just say anything because he was trying to save his own skin. And I said, yes, exactly. That's exactly the point. You know, Jack, uh, fact-checking is among the most dishonest forms of journalism out there, right? And we've seen a lot of that going on here. This, you know, the so-called fact-checking that goes on. Uh, a year ago, Will Chamberlain posted this to his Facebook, and it was deemed false by PolitiFact. He wrote that at 17 years old, Kyle Rittenhouse was perfectly legal to uh, possess that rifle without parental supervision. PolitiFact said false. Turns out the actual judicial process looked at this and the law is pretty clear. It was legal. That's why they threw out that charge, which is remarkable. The prosecution even tried to sneak it in there. Does it seem to matter to anybody, Jack, that the journos, even the fact checkers in the journalism world get stuff wrong and think that they're actually doing the public a service in their wrongness? Well, I think people really need to step back and realize what's going on here, right? Facebook, specifically, this this power monolith that we have in the United States, you know, typically the nodes of power in the U.S. were Wall Street, D.C. and Hollywood. But now Silicon Valley has reared up as this massive juggernaut of power and influence over our lives. They declared Kyle Rittenhouse without any trial, without any evidence to be a mass murderer. And you were not allowed to post in support of Kyle Rittenhouse. You were not allowed to express opinions that supported Kyle Rittenhouse. And you certainly were not allowed to post, as we've seen ubiquitously in many of these cases, a legal defense link to be able to help raise funds for the case. As we know, every American is entitled to a legal defense, right? This, you know, of course, the famous Thomas More saying about the, you know, even the devil requires the full merit of law. And so, so this is a huge question for how much power we're allowing these Silicon Valley, Northern California oligarchs over our lives to the point where they're weighing in on a Wisconsin gun law that they know nothing about. Whereas Will, being the good lawyer that he is, pulled up the statute and said, yeah, this statute's about short barreled rifles. That's not a short barreled rifle. That's an AR-15. You're wrong. Jack, Joe Scarborough, speaking of wrong, Seems to be covering his tracks on Twitter after referring to Rittenhouse as a, quote, self-appointed militia member and falsely accusing Rittenhouse of murder, etc. Scarborough tweeted out, this is obviously wrong, didn't even following the case for more than a minute. I meant to say he unloaded his rounds in about 60 seconds. Thanks for pointing this out. Uh, I think he's wrong about a lot more than that. Jack. What he had and what he had said, actually, what he's responding to was even worse because what he had said, and I think it was, I guess, on his Sunday show, he had said Kyle Rittenhouse unloaded 60 rounds into a crowd full of people. 
So what Scarborough is doing is he's creating a false narrative to increase division, to increase his own ratings, and essentially to increase what I would call animosity, hatred towards the group of people that politically he opposes. And that's the whole reason that all of this is going on here. It's instead of we're all Americans and we're all under one law, it's my team versus your team. And how can I use the law and how can I twist the facts and lie about the facts so that my team wins and your team loses? That's the reason Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial and not a single member of that mob that was tearing apart Kenosha for three nights in a row, setting those car dealerships on fire, smashing windows, going after the church. Not a single member of them are on trial. No, Kyle Rittenhouse, a kid who tried to defend his town, the town where his father lives, his whole family's there except his mom, he's on trial, not them. It's remarkable as well that you saw the prosecutor in his closing arguments today. Jack, I watched as much of it as I could when I wasn't on, on radio. Um, and, and what you find from that prosecutor is He's really taking a position that there's some right for rioters under the general banner of BLM slash Antifa yeah. to destroy property and that the real problem is that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't want them to keep doing that. I mean, he made a pretty, pretty obvious, some pretty obvious statements today about how, oh, there was one of the uh, one of the businesses they had already emptied out and they weren't there. So why was Kyle Rittenhouse there? It's almost as though rioting is a right of the left. So the idea of the right to self-defense and the right to defense of property, it goes back to this idea even, if, and the judge brought this up numerous times, it came up in Roman law, it came up in, in Greek law, in, the, in, in Athens. English common law, the basis for our laws, yeah. Don't have the ability to defend your rights positively. So I have a right to life, right? You know, I have a right to property. Well, if I don't have the ability to defend my property, then I don't actually have that right, do I? Because if I'm not defending it, then the right doesn't exist. So your right is only expressed through your defense of that right. Not to get too Lockean on you, but uh, what he's saying is it's, in, it's an inherent right. It's an inherent right in this country. And if you start taking away those basic rights, the right to own private property, the right to defend your own life, then that's going to turn this country into a very, very different proposition than the one it's been for these past 200 or so years. Jack, always good to see you, man. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Buck. Take care. God bless. Disturbing news out of Europe as Russia has reportedly amassed some 100,000 troops at its border with Ukraine. We'll take a look at what the military buildup means with the former Deputy National Security Advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney, Stephen Yates. When we come back, first I want to talk to you about protecting your home, your most valuable asset. You have homeowner's insurance for good reason, because without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. There's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover, called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes out there. This is why you need home title lock. All the bad guys do is forge your signature on documents saying that you sold your home to them, then they take out loans against your home. This can be catastrophic for the equity in your home. That's why home title lock puts a barrier around your home's title online. Go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter code radio for 30 days of free protection. That's code radio at hometitlelock.com, and we'll be right back with more Hold the Line.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Over 100,000 Russian troops have reportedly been deployed to the Ukrainian border, a situation Ukraine's foreign minister has described as seriously deteriorating. This puts the U.S. and the West in a quandary, as though Ukraine is an ally, it is not a member of NATO. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was asked about the growing tensions yesterday. Here's what she said. Um, I cannot talk to you about classified information, but we, of course, remain very concerned about what's happening. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. He has no idea how to respond. No surprise. Joining me now is the founder of DC International Advisory, Steve Yates. Mr. Yates, shed some light and wisdom on all this, please, sir. A little bit surprised that the vice president was only prepared for apparently shopping questions while walking the street, but not something about an actually old story of Russia encroaching upon Ukraine. You'd think in the third term of Barack Obama, we'd be very, very familiar with this kind of a story. Uh, but it is, uh, it's very distressing that the United States has deliberately put ourselves and our uh, friends and allies in the, in the region in a weaker position. We pulled back missile defense posts. We opened up the spigot to a pipeline to Europe that enhances Russia's ability to blackmail and coerce its neighbors. Uh, and so in many, many, many ways, we've made the situation worse and we don't really offer much support in return. And I don't even think we should be engaging in military affairs in that area, but I think we should at very least be empowering friends to protect themselves. That's, I think, the standard we've fallen very far short of. How serious is the threat here of Russia deciding to really go for it in Ukraine? And also, how much, do we, how much would we really care if they did? Well, based on what happened in the Obama administration, I think there would be a lot of words that would explode out of the United States Senate, but not very much action from the United States. That isn't necessarily the world I would like to see, but I think it's just an, an honest assessment of what has happened before, and I see no reason to think there would be a different outcome. President Biden has been very pretty weak in response to challenges from Russia so far. And uh, like I say, on the policy matters, all they've done is retreat and give a green light to Russia bullying. Actually taking territory of Ukraine, Ukraine's a very large territory, taking more than they took before in Crimea, perhaps a possibility. And I think that would be destabilizing, but we're not really, I think, looking at a continental war in Europe, more bullying, I think. Poland has decided to hold the line, if you will, Stephen. The country's braced for a major assault by migrants on its frontier entering the country after receiving intelligence of a huge buildup of enemy troops. This was reported by the Daily Mail. 
Belarusian soldiers are arming and instructing migrants to attempt to cross into the EU state. Attacks in two separate remote border locations yesterday saw hundreds of migrants manage to enter Poland and Polish border force guards say 77 were captured and deported, but around 150 managed to escape. What the heck is going on there? I think it's a pretty shocking development. Basically, it's the internationalization of what cartels have been trying to do at our southern border for years and years and years. And I, I think a lot of bad actors in the world have seen that they can act with impunity uh, in this area. And we have kind of a global media halo over the idea that there are no borders and there's no such thing as sovereignty. I think it's very important that Poland reset that narrative. It's good that they stand up for their sovereignty, but the idea of, of, of there being armed, trained, uh, quote unquote, migrants seeking refuge going across that border, I think that's basically an assault by other means, and it's very, very scary. Stephen, and we also have seen some saber rattling out of China recently over Taiwan, they've talked to you about before. I mean, it, it does feel a bit like those of us who have been worried that adversaries around the world would see a Biden administration that is uh, feckless, rudderless, and inept are acting, at least in the early stages, in ways that we would expect. Uh, how, how concerned are you and how real is that in terms of what you think we could see going into next year? Well, I'm very concerned because we're not even into the end of year one of a four-year term of the Biden-Harris administration. Uh, as you opened, we, we realized that we have a vice president who can't even really address the public diplomacy parts of the issues at play. Uh, and weakness from America is provocative. Talked about it numerous times. It's very emboldening and empowering, whether our adversaries or just people with hostile agendas wanna nip at the edges or they wanna go for bold strokes. We don't really have the control of the narrative and we don't have our friends prepared to pick up when we pull back. And so I think that we're in a dangerous place. I, I would like to hope that our allies see and take up some of this slack on their own. They shouldn't have to necessarily to the magnitude required now, but that is our best hope. The Team America right now, I think is rudderless and leaderless when it comes out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Stephen, I gotta ask, who would you rather see making a big commander in chief style decision on national security issue, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris? I talk about a pick your poison question, uh, but the sad part of the answer, I think, is that neither one of them is going to be the one calling the shots. Uh, the most underreported topic is who's actually running decision making in this administration, when clearly we have a president who doesn't speak in complete sentences, and we have a vice president who isn't even briefed up to answer a Russia question after shouting from the rooftops, Russia, 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 for four years. James. Interesting, to say the least. Stephen, appreciate it, man. Good to see you. Thank you. More bad news for the White House as the president's approval rating hits yet another all-time low. We got more on the Biden administration's dismal performance in the polls with American Conservative Union Chairman Matt Schlapp after the break. I want to tell you one more time about my friends at My Digital Money. It seems like everyone wants to invest in cryptocurrencies these days, Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started. That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based crypto companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. 
And because your comfort and security is their top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins and incredible customer service. Look, the crypto market's heating up. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. Go check them out today at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. American Conservative Union Chairman Matt Schlapp joins us next. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. President Biden's popularity is plummeting by the day. A new Washington Post ABC poll shows his approval rating at a record low of 41%. The biggest concern among voters is the president's handling of the economy as skyrocketing prices threaten to put a damper on the upcoming holiday shopping season. So how much lower can Biden go in the polls? Let's ask chairman of the American Conservative Union, Mr. Matt Schlapp. Chairman Matt, good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Buck. Let's start with... Are you surprised how bad things are for Biden? Because I got to tell you, I thought he was going to be bad at this job. But I'm seeing a lot of people that were willing to give him more than the benefit of the doubt say, oh, he's actually terrible. This is the worst performance of any president or really party in the 40 years of The Washington Post doing this poll. The Washington Post isn't exactly considered a ringer uh, for my side of things, but uh, Joe Biden is at the bottom of the barrel. Republicans have a 10-point advantage on the generic ballot, and it really does lead you to ask, is it really possible that the president who got the most votes in the history of our country literally a year later is sitting in the worst political position of any president since Jimmy Carter? To me, that's just really not politically possible. The fact is, Joe Biden was really never that popular with the American people. It didn't really check out his policies. The campaign was irregular at best. And, uh, and the American people are really saying enough. Here is the latest on the state of the Biden economy as per an ABC Washington Post poll. Positive 29%, negative 70%. That 29%, by the way, that starts to get to that number, Matt, of uh, people that I would refer to as the leftist uh, absolutists. I mean, the people for whom... Anything that's not Donald Trump is something to celebrate. It doesn't matter if the whole country burns down around them. 
I think we're getting pretty close to the, the hardcore only of the Democrat Party thinking that the Biden economy is a good thing. You know, Buck, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, they're getting rid of uh, some of these really intensive math courses because they said it doesn't further the goals of equity. I think Joe Biden's polling on the economy is so bad that look for Democrats to say, well, actually, we, we need to like, you know, secede or, or excuse me, suspend polling for a while because there's no way uh, that's fair for Joe Biden to be doing this bad. The American people vote on their pocketbook first, always. And you have 70% of Americans, including a lot of Democrats, saying the economy is this bad. I mean, it is a bad sign for Dems next year. Here is the concern that's out there about the increase in the size and role of government. ABC Washington Post poll, 59% very too somewhat concerned about this. Not at all concerned. Again, 16%. I mean, you're just seeing there's the hardcore left that they support Biden no matter what. They don't care. I mean, the Democrat base. But 59% are concerned, or very too somewhat concerned about the increase in the role of government. I mean, this just seems like people recognizing, one, the promises of the Biden administration aren't coming true, but also, what is the expectation for people that are paying attention to what's really happening around them, Matt, when the Biden administration is looking to sign a multi-trillion dollar spending package, the biggest non-emergency spending bill since the 1960s? Right. And what this does, you've got it right. It's not only expensive, but they're pushing every form of socialism on their wish list that they've had for the last decade or so. And, and look, the American people aren't dumb. They know that all of this federal spending is driving inflation. And they all know that inflation is a huge problem in their life. For all of us who go somewhere, we leave our basements and we're out in the world, we're filling up our car or our truck with gas, or we're taking uh, air, air, air flights places. Uh, it's all run on motor fuel and on jet fuel, and it's really expensive. And Go buy some chicken or some steak for your family, and uh, you'll see how expensive uh, food prices are, because partly because of fuel prices, but other reasons as well. Inflation is a thief in the night, and it is a tax on everybody, and it really harms people who are on fixed income. So, uh, you know, Buck, Matt, I think Matt, the is, hold, hold on a second, Matt. Hold on a second, because this is very strange, what you're telling me. Because right now, the White House is convinced and telling everybody out there across America that spending more money on the government side, is going to bring that inflation down, Matt. Here's what they said today. The president understands that prices increasing, inflation really does put a strain on families, and we understand that, and we, and we get that. But here's what's important. If you care about inflation, uh, if you care about you know, making sure that we ease inflation in, in the upcoming months, in the future, voting for this, uh, the Build Back Better Act, is, is the way to go. <laughs> I mean, what? Help me, help me here, Matt. Help me out. How does that make it's sense? Very, it's very simple. As prices become astronomically high, don't worry, because if you vote for Build Back Better, they'll give you more checks that'll help you afford the commodities that are going so high. That Those checks will make those commodity prices go even higher. But don't worry, we'll pass a new bill in the future that will give you even more checks so you can pay for these bills. So this is insanity. And by the way, once once inflation starts getting out of control, Buck, I'm just old enough to remember this when I was a little tight, uh, it is very hard for politicians to fix it. So we could be on a terrible, terrible course with this country. Yeah, it could and be a presidency and he, and he, and he ender. I mean, no historically, idea. right? I mean, you look back at you look back at Ford, you look back at Carter, you look back at presidencies where inflation's been a major issue. 
Uh, but I want to also get your take, Matt, while we got you on the Kamala controversy out there right now. Got the White House defending the vice president after reports of exasperation and dysfunction from within her office. People are not flocking to Team Kamala in large numbers inside or outside the administration. This is from a CNN report. Interviews with nearly three dozen former and current Harris aides and administration officials reveal a complex reality. Many in the vice president's office fume she's not being prepared or positioned adequately and is instead being sidelined. She's told confidants she feels constrained, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, lots of complaints. What the heck's going on here, Matt? Uh, I, I said that our problem in our country is we have a president who has to read cue cards and a vice president who has no clue cards. The fact is the Democrats put together this ticket of Joe Biden who wasn't up to being president and they picked Kamala Harris because she checked all these boxes that are important to them and their political coalition, but she's not, they, they have found her wanting to be polite when she's out there on the hustings. And what I think is really interesting is this CNN story. It's all Kamala Harris world kind of turning on each other. All of her former staffers who didn't get the big White House gigs are complaining about the staffers who did get the White House uh, gigs. And uh, and look, they won't use her at all. But if you pick a, a, a vice president because they are a woman and because they're a person of color and all these reasons, and then you put them in this job, Buck, and then you don't allow them to do anything, I just ask a question, at what point does this whole racial question get turned on its head? It's like, why won't you use her? Why, 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 why won't you put her out there? What do, you, what do you make of some of the thinking out there right now? Because this was part of that article, too, the complaints out there about how the White House was willing to defend Pete Buttigieg so vehemently recently when he was on mater- uh, sorry, parental leave, not maternity leave, uh, parental leave, whoops. Um, he was on parental leave for a couple of months when he was supposed to be dealing with the supply crisis. Just real quick, Matt, before we let you go, uh, it seems to me like they're saying they're worried that Mayor Pete is going to get the nod if it's uh, not going to be Biden for the second term instead of Kamala. Crazy talk or yeah, real well, talk? My Democrat friends, I have a couple still in this town, uh, they do believe that what will happen is uh, Joe Biden, if he decides to not run again, and I don't think it'll be his decision, quite honestly, um, will uh, there'll, be a, there'll be a rigorous primary challenger against Kamala Harris. And I think most people think that Mayor Pete Buttigieg is the person a lot of the Dems might go with. So look for this battle between Mayor Pete and Vice President Kamala Harris to continue. It's going to get awfully interesting. Uh, that would be quite a, quite a contest. Matt Schlapp, ACU. Good to see you, man. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks, Buck. You'd think after two years, the fear-mongering around COVID would let up, right? Wrong. The former head of the FDA just warned of a post-Thanksgiving spike in cases. We'll get into that coming up in Quick hits, but first, have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own? You didn't want to make rookie mistakes. I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I always loved the idea of real estate investment, but how was I going to get started without making big mistakes in the early phases? That's when I met my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For Your Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. Again, every step of the process, picking the city, the house, getting the loan set up, getting a tenant in place, and a management company to handle the whole thing for you. Just go to doneforyoubuck.com to see what my friends can do for you. Again, that's doneforyoubuck.com to begin your real estate investment journey.
Beto O'Rourke, Robert O'Rourke, announces he's running for governor in Texas. Good luck with that one. And Fauci says individual rights do not supersede societal safety. Let's take some time in quick hits to remind him that this is actually the United States of America. It's not some communist dystopia quite yet, despite all the safetyism that is being enforced upon us. Let's start with Fauci, the most destructive and dishonest public health bureaucrat in the history of the world, I think you could argue. I would, certainly in living memory. Here is Dr. Anthony Fauci, who I have to remind myself, is he a public health bureaucrat or is he a guy who's supposed to remake American society, undermine and shred the Constitution, and change our lives forever uh, after failing horrifically to actually do anything meaningful about the virus from a policy perspective? I'm just wondering, I mean, which one of these things is reality? Here's Fauci saying individual rights do not supersede societal safety. One of the things that to me was most difficult to accept is that we put together a good plan for how we were going to try and dampen down the spread of infection early on, thinking that that was accepted by everybody. And then the next day, the president saying free Michigan, free Virginia. I didn't quite understand what the purpose of that was, except to put this misplaced perception about people's individual right to make a decision that supersedes the societal safety. Societal safety. So we have to what? Six feet of social distance like idiots and mask up between bites and Lysol or groceries. All moronic things that Fauci was telling us we had to do to be safe. Yeah, maybe individual liberty does actually matter. Maybe it's not something you just give up because a bunch of stupid bureaucrats want to control everything and fail at controlling the virus, by the way. Beto O'Rourke announces that he is running for the governor of Texas role. Here you go, Beto. Those in positions of public trust have stopped listening to, serving, and paying attention to, and trusting the people of Texas. And so they're not focused on the things that we really want them to do, like making sure that we have a functioning electricity grid, or that we're creating the best jobs in America right here in Texas, or that we have world-class schools, or that we make progress on the things that most of us actually agree on, like expanding Medicaid or legalizing marijuana. Instead, they're focusing on the kind of extremist policies uh, around abortion or permitless carry or even in our schools that really only divide us and keep us apart and stop us from working together on the truly big things that we want to achieve for one another. And like, I have to run again. Because, like, I'm going to make Texas so much better by, like, doing stuff. Because, you know, I can't get a real job. I just have to keep running for office because I have a rich wife. Good stuff, Beto. Good stuff. Um, Yeah. By the way, Afghanistan is still a big mess. As you know, it is now run by the Taliban. They are the government there. They took over very rapidly. And they're now holding military parades in Kabul using captured American-made armored vehicles and Russian-made helicopters and other heavy gear to show that they are not just an insurgency anymore. They are a full-scale military, actually. They they have real gear, real equipment, and are pretty well-equipped, in fact. So that's going to be a problem if we have to go back in there and deal with a viper nest of terrorism, if in fact that's what we're heading for, we shall have to see. 
And then there's this, the vaccinations are amazing, right? Except they stop working pretty much as a prevention for transmission and infection. They might still have some ancillary effects on hospitalization and death beyond that. Um, but the former FDA head, Scott Gottlieb, is like, yeah, we're heading for a surge after Thanksgiving. Get ready for it. You told us last Sunday that we are entering the final end of this pandemic phase, but we could see an uptick in cases as we transition to the next phase. 20 different states in this country are seeing an uptick. Should we prepare for a post-Thanksgiving spike? Well, look, we're going to see a post-holiday spike. There's no question about that. People are exhausted right now, but we need to remain vigilant just for a little bit longer. I think we can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of declining prevalence on the back end of this Delta wave. Just a little longer, just a little longer, just two weeks, just two weeks. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News of Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.